what's with this hell reality and the myth of, I think everyone's going to have the same terrible experience there. Well, terrible is true for everyone's experience there. We know that. But it's not the same terrible experience for everyone. Why? Because of concepts like this throughout the scripture. Let's carry through with a few other passages. How about this one? Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. Here's one of the mitigating factors, which mitigates in part and may make it more severe, depending on who you are. Luke 12, 47, and the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. Now, this is a parable, an illustration. I get that, but he's trying to illustrate God's coming judgment. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Why? Because here's the principle of judgment. To whom, everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So we know this, you could have two people doing the same exact sinful thing, that's the parable here, and have two different kinds of judgment based on what they knew, knew the master's will. Now that's the argument of the book of Romans as it relates to God's judgment. God's judgment, people were saying, and not coming to us because we're children of Abraham, the Jew Jewish people said, it's going to come on those heathen Gentiles. Well, Paul turns that on its head by saying, well, hey, you who had the law, you did the same things that they did. And you need to recognize this. Your judgment's going to be worse because of the knowledge you had because God's going to judge you according not only to what you did, but he's going to judge you, Romans chapter 2, according to what you knew. And therefore, two people could do the same exact thing. And depending on how much they knew of the will of God, the judgment's going to be more. Everyone wants to talk to me about the guy in the bush, right? The guy who lives in the jungle, the guy who's never been to church. And they always want to obfuscate and say, I don't really want to respond to your gospel because what about that poor guy in the jungle that doesn't know anything about this? Well, the response of Romans is he does know about this because he has access to creation and he's got a conscience and both of those speak to the same things I'm telling you in the scripture. They don't say it with the same amount of detail. But in Romans chapter two, it says their conscience is bearing witness that the law of God is written on their heart. He says, now what about you that have studied the law of God? Well, your judgment is going to be even more severe if you do the same things and don't cling to the mercy of God in Christ, which is the whole point of the book of Romans. You need to get to the place where you realize and recognize like David did when he saw his sin, I need the mercy of God. And now we know in the New Testament, the mechanism of the mercy of God, you need to put your trust in Christ who's absorbed the penalty of God for you. And again, there's the idea and it's the linchpin. I got mad about it last week or whenever we were together because it's an increasing departure from the core of what the cross is about. Penal substitutionary atonement. The idea that Christ absorbed the penalty of sin for me on the cross. So Christ saved me from God. No one likes that anymore. It seems too harsh. I want butterflies and rainbows and kittens and I, I want a theology that doesn't feel like God's mad at me. Well, the problem is, if you read the Bible, you realize his wrath is a real thing aimed at my sin, and it's even aimed at my sin and stoked into a brighter kind of red-hot wrath, the Bible would say, not capricious, not, not kicking the dog kind of, of, of responsive anger, but a measured anger that's increased based on what I know. So varied sentences are based on the severity of the crime is it longer than I'd want it to be? Absolutely. I have to stand back with the angels and say, God does just things. His judgments are always just. I just have to recognize, as Abraham did, the God of all the world, the judge of all the earth, is going to do justly. But I know this, I'm not going to treat everybody the same because there are varied crimes, moral crimes, and there are varied sentences. 
Think about James 3.1. Even work within our own society here where we do have Bible teaching, where we do know about the Bible, we do know the stories. Okay, think about this, James 1.3. Not many of you should become teachers. Here's one thing that should make you afraid to even think about ministry. He says, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now that's an idea about the Bema Seat of Christ because we're talking about Christians here, but the same principle of evaluation and response from God applies. And it applies based on not just judgment at the great white throne, but rewards at the Bema Seat of Christ, as we call it, 1 Corinthians 3, based on the knowledge of the person, what they had or did not have in their mind. The knowledge. There's always a varied judgment. In the words in our English text of James 3.1, strictness. Is God going to be more strict with some people than others? Absolutely he will. He's going to be more strict with some simply because of the severity of their sin, but he's also going to be stricter based on how much knowledge you have. Many mitigating factors throughout the scripture. I've dealt with those at length elsewhere, but the idea of varied sentences is important. Let's talk about this. The logical consequence. I'm just trying to give you another technique, if you will, a biblical logical technique for thinking through how you respond to the person who's talking to you and saying, I don't like this hell concept. Well, I think you should have some sympathy. I don't like it either. And I gave you an illustration before, but it's like the skunks, right, who all stink to the homeowner, right? We have skunks near our house. I don't want to get too personal here, but if you come over to our house and it's smelling bad, it's not us. It's the skunks. We have skunks. They live outside the ditch there behind our house. That doesn't sound like a great place I live next to the ditch. Let's call it a ravine. Does that sound better? But the skunks live out there. Now, some nights the skunks, and I know they're in my driveway. I know they're in my yard. I try not to show my wife the security camera footage, but they're, they're close to the house. And some nights they squirt their, their magic potion juice and it's worse than other nights. Now, I don't know how you respond if you're a skunk. I guess you get used to that. You get used to your own stink. But the reality is, among us as stinkers in the world morally, right, we can look at the Dahmers of life, the Mussolinis of life, the, the Ted Bundys of life, and say, well, they really, really stink. So there's always this sliding scale in our morality. But the problem is we all have a problem, a problem of sin that God has to rightly respond to with judgment, either on the cross or individually, per deed, per word, per motive. There's a lot of things in scripture that are discussed. 